Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Power blackouts. They happen every year. But guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Say hello to Goal Zero, the leader in affordable home power backup systems and solar generators. Goal Zero's generators power your fridge, freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. Their home backup systems, like the Yeti 3000X, have no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance. Just good, clean energy that keeps your home up and running. They offer a range of products and affordable price points, from power stations that can provide a half day's worth of power to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or three days. Plus, they're all portable, so you can take your power with you when you go camping, tailgating, and more. So yeah, take that, blackouts. Our power is here to stay. Have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Go to GoalZero.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, we have even more casting news this week, if you can believe it. Our One Life to Live fans will be so happy to hear that Robin Strasser, who famously played Dorian, has joined the cast of Days of Our Lives. So the show is not disclosing who she will play, but we will find out this summer because the show tapes so far in advance. I definitely hope that she is going to share scenes with Cassie DePaiva's Eve. I mean, that would be such a fun wing to all the Landview lovers out there. Well, if I know Ron Carlovati, the show's head writer, who also had wrote One Life to Live, there is no way they will not share scenes. He loves an inside joke. That is true. Um, and there's also some big B&B news. Denise Richards, who is currently appearing on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills with Days alum Lisa Rinna, has joined the cast of B&B as Flo's mom, Shauna. And if that wasn't enough, Eileen Davidson is planning a quickie visit to Genoa City at the end of March and will reprise the role of Wyonar's Ashley. It's interesting that B&B is continuing to build out Flo's family, you know, people with connections to Reese. I feel like it's a very B&B specific thing in a way that we've seen over the years. Like the Foresters and the Logans will always be king. And now don't forget about the Spencers. True, true, true. Uh, but, but of course they need foils and people to play off of. And I think it's really smart to bring in a Denise Richards. You know, she's kind of trending right now, if you will. True. Because she's just debuted on the new season of Housewives. And I think it's a good get. And I'm excited to see her tackle you know, a, a new medium. And then obviously any amount of Eileen Davidson on YNR, I will take. 
You know, I think what we've seen with this baby switch on B&B and with Reese, which is completely sending the viewers who write to us into overdrive because they really want Hope to get that baby back, <laughs> you know, is that it's grounded Kara Barnes's Zoe more on the canvas. And I think it's been a plus. You know, she's done a really good job portraying Zoe's horror over what her father has done. And, you know, frankly, it's made me like her, which before I would say I was probably just ambivalent about the character. Um, And it's also really made me like Annika Noel more as Hope, because as much as, yes, of course, it's a horrible thing to do to Hope, Annika is playing this story out so well and, you know, really embracing the ripple effects of Beth's supposed death in a way that I find totally compelling. Like when Hope was telling Steffi and Liam to be together, like crazy, but I was (laughs) riveted to every moment. And I get it. I mean, you know, it's just interesting to see like new shades of characters, especially when you have new actors playing them and considering Kim Matula was there for a while, she is still like a little new. Um, You know, can you name a storyline that made you look at a character in a different way? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I'm sure there have been a plethora of them, but the the one that comes immediately to my mind is I think I was pretty ambivalent about Elizabeth Weber on General Hospital when she was introduced in 1997. She was kind of like a one-note, like teenage bad girl, which of course was signified by smoking cigarettes. But when Liz was raped early in 1998, which gave birth to the romance with Lucky, you know, in a year's time, I I went from being ambivalent to her being one of my favorite characters on the show. And I think that storyline transformed the character and also gave us a much greater sense of what Rebecca Herbst was capable of doing as an actress, which seems to have some parallels to to what you're saying about Annika and Hope. Well, yeah, because for me, when Hope came back, she was super annoying and nosy and like butting into Steffi and Liam's situation in a way that made me kind of feel like, hi, go away. And then she and Liam slept together and he ended up marrying her. But since Hope had been gone, you know, Steffi and Liam were really made to be more of the destiny duo. So I kind of felt that this story at first was like a road to getting Steffi and Liam back together. But then now that they've raised the stakes like this, which has kind of pushed Liam into more emotional declarations of love with Hope and sort of insisting like, no, I want to be with you. And that coupled with Annika's performances, you know, have made me view this more as a legitimate triangle now. Yeah, I think the show pivoted a lot with Liam after Hope left or Kim Matula's Hope left. And I think that you're absolutely right. Like Liam and Steffi were in the lead when Hope returned. And I think it's a good point that giving the character something to play that could kind of rival the depth of emotion that we had seen Liam and Steffi reach. It was necessary to sort of even the playing field. Well, speaking of B&B triangles, our guests today are Catherine Kelly Lang and John McCook who have played Brooke and Eric since day one of the show on March 23rd, 1987. So let's get them on the phone and talk about what it feels like to be the only two actors currently in daytime who were on the first episode of their shows. Hi, Kelly. Hi, John. Hi. Hello. Good uh, good day. Good day. Good day. Good day. I feel like you're not feeling I'm trying to say good morning, but maybe it is. Good day. Good day. No worries, mate. Well, thanks for being with us. So Kelly and John, you hold the unique distinction of being the only two people currently on soaps who were on their show since day one. What does that mean to you? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's great. Very excited. Of course. And we get we get a lot of, uh, well, we demand a lot of respect at the Bold and Beautiful, <laughs> and it's hard to get. But, uh, but people do uh, give us credit for that. 
Is that true? Isn't there anybody on other soaps, uh, uh, the other shows that have been there on their shows? Sure, there's Melody, who just celebrated her 40th year. Melody yeah, Thomas Melody. Scott. But she wasn't there the first day. Oh, no? Right, oh. so that's, that's what I'm thinking. Oh. I wonder if John Anderson was on Days of Our Lives at the no. very beginning. John oh. came Probably 20 not. years later. Really? It's us? It's just you two. I, I, I didn't even know. Oh, my God, John. That's, That's great. exciting. And we're so young. <laughs> I had no idea. Thank you for giving us that news. <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> well, so tell us about your early memories of one another. Do you remember meeting for the first time? I do. Oh, I was, uh, God. I was like nine years old, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think I looked nine, but I was really—I think I was twenty-five. Really? Yeah, twenty-five. Yeah. I looked eighteen because I had a big chubby face. But um, I can tell you my first memory of John McClough that was incredible. In fact, I credit him for helping me get the Bold and the Beautiful because without him, I'm not sure if I would have gotten it. So yeah, I don't know. So I came in to first meet with the casting director and she liked me. She brought me back to read again for producers and her, and then they decided to put me on tape. So I had to come back for that. And guess who I meet when I have to come back and be, do a scene on tape, John McCook. They said, John McCook was going to read with me and play Ridge. I think you were playing. I don't even remember. I'm not sure what character it was, but it was a male character and he was playing it and he played the scene with me. And he's like, he made me so relaxed. And so comfortable because, of course, I was very nervous. And he just said, don't worry. You're going to be fabulous. We're going to do this together. I'm right here for you. And all of my worries and fear just melted away. And I knew I was in good hands. And we just rocked that scene. You did, yeah. We, yeah, we did a great scene. And I got the part. And I I thank you, John McCook, for <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. For helping it's a good thing you're me. happy about it. <laughs> no, you know what? I remember that she was very... Uh, of course, very young, uh, but but also she was com- she was very well prepared. She knew her lines b- backward and forward, and she was very confident in her dialogue. Mm. So uh, um, this was not true of the other girls. Um, oh, really? I don't even remember them, but I do remember that you were the one that really knew the scene. So uh, I think it was pretty much a shoe in that uh, that Kelly got the part. Uh, I think when she walked out of there, I think Bill was there. Or Bill, yeah, Bill. Bill was there. And I think he said, that's our girl. And and we all agree right away. Oh, uh, so, oh yeah. So that was exciting. our first encounter, wasn't it? Yeah, that was. Yeah. Now let's go back to the early days. We first met Brooke as a caterer slash chemistry student. You know, Kelly, what did you know about where your character was going? Uh, well, I just knew that I was hired to play the girl from the other side of the track, basically. You know, the the working class family um, and studying hard and really having to work for what, you know, make something of ourselves. And then there was, of course, with the rich family, John's family from the other side to, from Beverly Hills. But I loved playing that part and being kind of the underdog character in a way, and then crossing over to the, to the other side. But yeah, that, as far as I knew that was in the beginning, that was, that was my character, and it was kind of very much how I grew up with my sisters and brothers and family, big family, and just everybody working really hard. And so I, I related to that really well. The the best thing about about how Bill Bell wrote the first show, the first episode showed everybody who it showed 
every character, it, it, it gave you a very clear picture of everybody's status on the show, uh, uh, in their lives. Um, the conflicts were all there. Um, uh, the, the, the questions of what was going to happen were all asked in that first episode. And uh, um, I think that's what was really good about that first half hour that we did. There was no questions at all who was who and what was what and who was playing what and what. And the back, there was so much backstory already to every character. And that's, you know, Bill Bell, the genius and a master at uh, creating stories like that and creating all of that history and all of that backstory before we even started. So there was no question about who we were as people and as characters. And it was so much fun to start that way. Remember how it was so magical? Oh, yeah. Like, the very first day was so magical. Everybody was so excited to be there. You could feel this amazing show being created. And it was it was amazing to be there from day one. And, and the, great, the great fun about it is that we spent, I think, two days shooting that first episode. We took our time to make sure we got it right and accomplished everything they wanted. And then a, a week or so later, uh, the cast, the whole cast and, and, and the, the creative crew went to a party and they played the first episode for us on, uh, on a screen there in a restaurant. And it was so exciting to see the titles. We had never seen the titles before. We had never heard the music, the, the, uh, the bold and beautiful theme. We had never heard any of that. And it was so exciting to see all that. But once again, when you ask, what did you know about what's coming with for your character? Uh, we didn't know what was coming for our characters, but we could tell in the very beginning who we were, what we meant to each other, and uh, and and the, the future was wide open. Mm -hmm. So that was Bill's genius for that first episode. We knew we were a part of something really big, even though nobody knew the future of the show. But you could you could just feel it. I thought I I was very sure that we would run. A good five years, you know. Uh, it was funny that we we replaced uh, we replaced Capital on on CBS. It had been there for five years, and uh, and and it was funny when I was uh, trying to decide whether to do the Bold and Beautiful or not. My wife said, "Are you crazy? If it fails, it'll run for five years," you know. And as as a job for an actor, a five year job is pretty cool, you know. And then to see us now at 32, we're going to be 32 years here in another week. Uh, we've been there for so long. Uh, I've been in that dressing room of mine longer than anybody else has ever been in that dressing room. And I'm so proud of that. I just love that. Even Danny Kay was in that dressing room for, for, you know, seven weeks or something, but I've been in that same room for 32 years and, uh, it's, it's stunning. It's really wonderful. Well, your dressing room is famous. Everybody talks about it. Anyone who talks to us about Bold and Beautiful and what it's like behind the scenes talks about being in your dressing room. <laughs> That's the place to be. That's always where the gathering is, definitely. And the fun of it is that on a practical, uh, uh, from a practical point of view, it's large. So it's large enough for us to have five or six actors in there rehearsing a scene that's that's big, you know. And it's right by the set, so it's easy to yeah rehearse. Yeah, it's later. right on the set. When that first day, they they said to Susan Flannery and me, they had uh, and Kelly had already gotten the dressing room over closest to makeup, which is good because she looks like shit in the morning. <laughs> but but uh, uh, but. Uh, 
they, they there were two dressing rooms that were right there on the soundstage, and they they gave Susan and me uh, uh, the privilege of choosing which one. And Susan chose the smaller one, even but but right on the set. And so the big one fell to me, uh, and that was just because Susan chose the littler one. If she had chosen the big one, I would have acquiesced, and of course not been in that room. So uh, that's that happened. Yeah, it's cool. So I have been a fan of the show from the beginning, and I so distinctly remember when I realized they were putting Brooke and Eric together, which was like so shocking. And it was 1990, and I want to know what you thought about that. I mean, it's so common now for people on B&B to switch partners, not so much back then, I felt like. I thought it was great. I mean, first of all, um, Brooke couldn't have Ridge. So she wanted the next best thing. So of course that would be Rich's father, right? (laughs) Of course. course. And, and, you know, John McCook, I mean, Eric Forrester is like the dashing, handsome man running the whole city, basically. So Brooke had no problem with that. And he was uh, related to Ridge. And so really that's how, to me, it made sense. Brooke was so obsessed with Ridge and, and wanting to be with Ridge. And if she couldn't, she would want somebody close to him. And it was almost like you took Brooke in, you know what I mean? Like it made her feel okay at home and comfortable. And I think she needed that, that kind of comfort and that love and that, that being taken care of because she really wasn't, I don't know if she was really getting that from Ridge, but um, Eric Forrester did that for Brooke. I think that for Eric, you know, his, uh, uh, from the very beginning, uh, from, from 1987 until that happened in 90. Um, he, there was a malaise in, in the relationship between him and, and Stephanie. Um, he felt he had great success as uh, with Stephanie as a business partner and as a partner in life and as, the, as a wife and a mother for his children. But he, um, he was so drawn to Brooke because she was so wounded when when Rich turned away from her and chose Caroline, he 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 felt so badly for for Brooke, and and then he, he put that out of the way right away because she was so needy and so uh, so lovely, and she was sexy too, you know. But that's that's really just part of it. What he really wanted to embrace was the warmth and the uh, the the vulnerability that she. Uh, embodied, and and that was something he didn't have, or he felt he didn't have, in his marriage with Stephanie. And so it was quite natural that he was drawn to her, and and it was very successful there for a while. It really was, and it really kicked the Brooke Stephanie rivalry into high gear. You know, what was it like to play those scenes with Susan? Oh yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm. Yeah, definitely. That just started out the um, Brooke and uh, Brooke and Stephanie rivalry that ended up going for years and years and years, kind of the love and hate relationship that we had for a long time. And that was so much fun to play and so dynamic. And that was there until the very last episode that was on the show. It, it, it came through and it evolved into a, a very strong love between the two of them. Yeah. So we saw you post such an adorable photo with Susan Flannery uh, when you recently saw her. Tell us about your reunion. 
We were celebrating Laura Yale, who was our stage manager for 30-something years. We were celebrating her retirement. And it was on the stage at first, and then we moved the party over to the Grove to an Italian restaurant over there. And Susan came down. She drove down from Santa Barbara to celebrate because, of course, Laura was there from when Susan was there also. So it was really nice to see her. It was really nice that she came down and celebrated with us. And, and I see Susan, you know, once in a while for dinner, we drive up there, we we meet up somewhere. But um, it was nice to see her come down and everybody there, actually, there's a lot of people there that didn't even have a chance to meet her before. A lot of the, the younger huh? kids. Yeah, so they were all waiting in a line almost to, like, meet the queen. <laughs> yeah. You know, the famous portrait. And I, I, I warned them. I said, stay, stay, just, just stay back from her so that she can't reach you because she might slap you. But, but, and I think they, they stayed back a little out of respect. Anyway, you know, for Susan to come down back into L.A., I mean, she doesn't avoid L.A. like the plague, but she doesn't come down here anymore. She's retired. She loves living up there uh, in the Santa Barbara area. She she has a big, nice, lovely piece of property up there. She's a happy girl. So I, I really was proud and very impressed that she came down and, uh, and joined us to, to honor Laura uh, at that party. It was wonderful to see her again. I literally had not seen Susan for six years. Wow. Did it feel like you saw her yesterday or did it feel like time had passed? No, I felt like time had passed. You know, I, I, I thought, oh, my God, I hope she looks good. It's fine. She did. She looked really good. She looks healthy. She's full of energy. Uh, she's a happy, happy woman right now. And I, I give her all the credit for knowing when to, uh, when to walk away, you know, when you get tired of it and when you don't want to do it anymore. Uh, you still respect it, but, but you really are done. She she uh, recognized that, and uh, she very elegantly and uh, um, she left with uh, really good feelings uh, when she retired. She gave she gave the show an extra five or six weeks to to tell the 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 story of of Stephanie dying. Uh, she added onto her contract weeks and weeks so that she could really play something out for Bradley and all of us on the show instead of just walking out the door one day and not coming back as they do sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it was such an emotional ending too. Yeah. Yeah. Was, definitely. Now Brad has managed to really keep Brooke and Eric in each other's orbits through all of these years. You know, how do you two like that, you know, you aren't islanded and that you still get to work together as much as you do. I think that's really important. I think that's smart of Brad to keep us together, to have that relationship. And we are, you know, we were married and we do have two children. And we were, even when we weren't together, we really tried to raise them correctly and and do what we were supposed to do as parents. And um, just to have that relationship as friends now and be there for each other and support each other no matter what is, really important. I mean, because the history there, why we want it, we need two people to be together, you know, forever. And that's kind of how I feel like Brooke and Eric will always be there for each other, no matter what. For that's the kind, it's the kind of relationship that, that adult people have in this life. And that the soaps don't always, they, they don't always give you those kinds of scenes. And so when we get to be together, it's, it's, there's, we don't even have to, we don't have to talk about our history. It's just there. 
and we can be talking about how things are going with Brooke, with uh, how she's feeling about Bill Spencer right now, or how she's feeling about Ridge. And, and Eric knows these people, and he knows Brooke so well, and he can see when she's, uh, when she's having a hard time in her life, and he can pull her aside and say, what's going on with you? What is this? You know, it's really nice. Um, and those are the kind of friendship scenes that, that we, uh, we look forward to. We don't get to do them enough. Yeah. It's true. So obviously playing these characters, as long as you have, you know them well, you care about them. Are there storylines or moments where you've like gone to someone to say, my character wouldn't do that. Or you've been concerned about the integrity of, of your characters given a certain plot line. Um, yeah, I mean, there are moments like that, and maybe we'll have a discussion with Brad or the you know producers, directors, and kind of get a, a better feel for what they want us to do. You know, I've had times, personally, I kind of like to take what they give me and try to make it work because that's our job on the show, basically. And um, But they've had Brooke do some crazy things, and sometimes I've you know said, but let's kind of you know, meet somewhere in between. But for the most part, I try to just do what they give me and make it work. I've never really disagreed with anything they've given Eric to do. Uh, um, I, I, in fact, I'm gleeful when they do something for Eric that's that's uh, un- unexpected, like like turning up in Quinn's bed years ago. Or, or uh, I mean, that's probably the, the most uh, surprising thing that Eric's ever really done. I mean, it was not surprising that he had an affair with Donna or that he, uh, that he was drawn in a beautiful way to, to Brooke over those years. Those are not surprises. Those are just really nice plot movements. But the surprise that he was, uh, he was sleeping with Quinn, that, that secret was, was really a wonderful thing. And I didn't disagree with that at all. Um, I, <laughs> I was shocked. Was great. Um, so, um, you know, I'm, I celebrate that I get to work with Rena Soper every day. Uh, I think she's stunning and she's a wonderful actor and, and she and I are really happy being together. But then now we find ourselves being, you know, the, the older couple on the show. And, and uh, I think it's a little, it, no, I'm not going to say it's frustrating, but I mean, it, we find ourselves off to the side uh, of a lot of the stuff that's going on these days. And, and it's kind of like, you just have to look at it and, and be, and be grateful that you're part of the whole, the whole uh, painting and the whole the whole uh, canvas. And, and so I am. I think what Brad does, you know, so well is bringing people to the fore. You know, kind of the way he moves people on the canvas and then a little bit off, but then they're back on. It's like taking turns, right? Right. It, it's hard. You know, when there's fourteen, fifteen, twenty uh, characters under contract of the show and we're only a half hour show. And so uh, one of the criticisms sometimes of our show is that you don't tell enough stories at once and you go, well, you can't. It's very hard in half an hour or in the 18 or 20 minutes that we have every day to tell more than one and a half stories or to keep three stories going at once the way Young and Restless can do three or four or five even stories going at once on an hour show. You can really, you can juggle those stories nicely. It's very hard to do. It's a big challenge for our show. So when there's a major storyline going on, uh, for instance, what we just did with uh, with Reese 
and uh, yeah. and with Hope's baby and, and all of this, that's been the crux of the show. And so there hasn't been a lot for other people to do relative to that story because nobody else knew about it. So now it's uh, it's it's beginning to involve other characters now, and other characters are getting folded into that story uh, with the addition of yeah. um, uh, Denise. Yeah. Denise Richards is on the show now, too folding her into the story and uh and that involves more people than it than it did before so uh it's beginning to be more inclusive now but that's it's it's cyclical uh that's the way it is yeah and that's what she was saying brad does so well with he kind of goes in and out with the different storylines and you'll see you know it'll come back around like you had a big storyline last year right all last year wasn't it yeah last year, last year yeah before. so um you know, and then it kind of goes somewhere else and it comes back. But there's always still the basic tie. We're still kind of the families together. Yeah. But then there's the extra characters. As yeah, the basic, you know, the basic story of in the beginning was Foresters and Logans. And now it's it's Foresters and Logans and and and, and Spencers. And, and uh, that's that's that has grown. And so we have three basic families on the show. Uh, it's it's challenging to Brad. It really is. I mean, if only the show were an hour, because we've often had that discussion here about <laughs> it would be so great because we could see more stories, to your point. I was going to make the point, though, That's Kelly, yeah. I monitor our um, letters from fans and emails, and God, are they passionate about Brooke's choices <laughs> and her men. So there's a very big bridge contingent and a big Brill contingent now. Um, are you aware of sort of yes. how the fans feel about your character and who she's um, with? I know. And then there's a lot of people that just say, why can't she just be alone for a while and, you know, create her life the way she wants? It doesn't always have to be about a man. So, That's true, too. Yeah, it's always about who she's with and what, she, what man she's with and what she's doing. But um, I think, you know, a lot of the fans like Brill, uh, Brill <laughs> Brooke and Bill together, and a lot of them uh, Brooke and Ridge together, and they're very split that way. But then there's also really a, a good number of people that just say, just be alone for a while. So right now I'm just kind of being a mom, I think, just focusing more on my daughter and what's going on in her life. And I thought that was interesting, too, because I felt like Brooke really played a hand in kind of pushing Hope to reunite with Liam. Yes, I feel that she did. <laughs> <laughs> I know their Brooke knows their history though, and she knows that they were in love and that they, they've been trying to get together for so long. And you know, it's kind of like it reminds Brooke of the Brooke Ridge early years, and it just things that have come between them and Steffi and you know, there's Steffi's mom, and I just feel that it wasn't fair for for those two, and that they're star-crossed lovers. They deserve to be together, and they were trying to be together for a long time, and. So I was definitely pushing them to be together and, and telling my daughter not to give up. If that's what she really wants, don't give up. And look what happened. <laughs> she did not. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> um, do you have any scenes or storylines that you've done together that really stand out? Um, Annika is amazing. 
an amazing actress. First of all, the very first scenes we had together, I was instantly bonded with her. I mean, when I met her, I felt an instant bond. And then when we started working together, it was just instant. I feel like she is my daughter and that we're related and we're a family and we're so natural together. I just, I have so much fun with her and love working with her. And then when she did the scenes with the baby, uh, losing the bait. Oh my goodness. I just, her, she really showed her acting chops and I agree. Was, yeah. She's very impressive. And just, I was blown away and, um, I'm just actually really happy that she's, she's my daughter. She's my baby. You know, there, there's no guarantee that a young actor or a young actress, uh, is going to be able to, uh, shift into that incredibly high gear that that kind of storyline requires uh, that Annika had to play. And she's been on a really, a really nice trajectory since she started. And then all of a sudden you turn the page and here's this incredibly challenging stuff. And she looked at that and she bit it off and chewed it up, man. She yeah. really did it. So I, I have high hopes for her, uh, for the Emmys next year. I'm sure she'll be, one of the contenders, if not the winner herself, you know, she's done a great, great job. Yeah. She definitely took that material and took it to the next level. Yeah. You know? yeah. Definitely. I agree. Mara and I were just saying how in a way it really solidified her as hope, not that she wasn't, but this, you really felt more of a connection to her through this story. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's truly amazing. Well, when I think about Brooke and Eric's relationship over the years, I always go to their wedding and the hot air balloon. That was such a favorite of mine. Do you have favorite moments or scenes that the two of you have shared together on screen? Well, that for me, uh, I, I loved that. And I love that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how many times Bill Spencer takes Brooke up in a balloon. <laughs> first, Been you know. there, done that. Uh, yeah, and uh, that was her first balloon ride, and I'm very proud of that. Um, and look, we're the first one to take me in a tent uh, in the desert. That's so. right. How often were you taken in a tent? <laughs> <laughs> takes Brooke in a tent, and uh, that was and uh, that, and that was after a big long horse ride. That's which right, right. It's not easy to take a girl after <laughs> having a horse in your legs. Of our. So, so that was an accomplishment on my part. Look, that was a great story all those years and, and uh, go all those years ago. And, and no matter what we get to do or don't get to do uh, in all these rest of these years, because they had those, those two or three or four years of, of strong story, having children together, uh, Ridge coming back into the picture, uh, having a second child together that we didn't know if Bridget was uh, – uh, they thought it was riches and then uh, it ended up being mine. I was very proud of that. Um, <laughs> uh, in spite of the horseback riding. Father <laughs> again. Uh, so it doesn't matter how little uh, we get to do. Uh, anything we get to do is is rife with our history and uh, and our love for each other. And that never goes away. It's really a nice thing to have uh, uh, these characters paralleling each other and looking at each other and uh, feeling for each other when, when we see what they're going through. Yeah. Sometimes it's just even the most simplest scenes because so much is said without the dialogue between our characters because of our history. So sometimes it could just be the simple scenes where we reconnect in a way that is just really, really special. Absolutely. 
You know, there was a recent photo that I saw on Instagram where you were holding up a sign of what your first episode was. And of course, both of you had the ones. Um, you know, what did that mean to you to just even be able to take a photo like that? Uh, well, come on. It's great. Yeah. It's great. You know, they, the, uh, I, I have a, a wonderful feeling of, uh, of being, you know, we, we are the elder statesmen as states people of our show. Um, young actors come on and they'll, they'll work for a week or two. And then, uh, uh, they'll be standing around and one of them say, how long have you been on the show? You know, how many, you know, and I go, how long have I been on the show? You know, uh, uh, I answer one of the kids said, how many years have you been on the show? And I said, all of them. That, <laughs> that's my answer for that. I'm very proud to have been there the first day. Um, and, and that we're still there is stunning. And, and that we're so successful all over the world is also something that, that uh, we forget or I, I forget day to day that, you know, I know they're seeing us in Akron, Ohio and in St. Petersburg and, and uh, Florida and, and, and in Sacramento. But then I forget they're seeing us in, in Milan and, and in uh, Australia and in Amsterdam and, and Tel Aviv. It's fantastic. You know, millions and millions of people five days a week all over the world. So um, it's, it's been it's become it has become iconic uh, in in. Uh, in serial television. And uh, I'm very proud of that. Yeah, there's a lot of pride that goes along with being there from day one. Of course, we're there starting this brand new show. Everybody's brand new. Every actor, actress, everybody behind the scenes, producers, writers, crew, you know, everybody's new. It's And we're all starting this together. So along with that excitement and being able to carry that through for for 32 years now and still be there. It's like, I never want to give up that spot. I'm never going to, I don't want to give up my spot. I've been there from day one. I know. (laughs) Right. Don't give it up. I want to hold on to that. You know, it's like, it's something just to be doing something for that long and consistently and keeping it going and making it work. And I mean, that's, that's something that everybody should be proud of. I think it's just kind of the perseverance of, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel that everybody has a choice. Of course they could go do whatever, but to, to, to be able to maintain your position on a show and try to keep your character interesting and, and evolving at the same time is, is an exciting adventure. And, you know, it's not, you know, we're the two actors that were there, but there's about 10 people, I think, uh, out of, out of how many people that work on a show, 80, 80 people or 50 people that work on a show and, and post produce it and then work on it afterwards and put it together later and distribute it and everything else. There's about 50 people, I think, that, that work on our show. But there's a good, there's about 10 that have been there from the very, very beginning still, uh, including uh, uh, one of our makeup artists, Chris Lai, and, and some of our editing people and people in the booth, uh, uh, Kathy has been there for the beginning and, yep. you know, there's about, I, mm-hmm. uh, maybe I'm exaggerating, but there's eight or 10 people that have been there mm-hmm. since the very beginning. And so it's a very small group of people that are, that are just so full of the, our show and for so long, it's, it's wonderful. Well, I have to say we, uh, we did a, uh, an interview with the set designer in the issue that we have on sale now. And she talked about how, uh, when you shoot the Thanksgiving show, you stay as a cast and eat dinner together afterwards, after the show is shot. I thought that was just the loveliest little glimpse into how much you all genuinely like each other. 
<laughs> well, yes, <laughs> we do. But <laughs> I mean, it crossed my mind that we all want to eat. but um yeah no we do it's funny because they're like okay we're all done and we're like wait wait we didn't finish eating and finish talking because we're all sitting around that table for hours you know in the same spot so we start having our own personal conversations with whoever's sitting next to us and of course that goes on and on so it's always a fun time to do those group scenes together whether it's thanksgiving or the christmas episodes especially or Oh, so warm and, you know. Yeah, it is nice. And any new weddings, but but the Christmas and Thanksgiving are really nice for us. You know, I I had a, I I woke up in a, in a sweat uh, uh, a couple of mornings ago from a a nightmare I had because I thought we were celebrating the 8,000th year of Golden (laughs) View. And uh, and I thought, well, how would that be? And the fact it wouldn't be that much different because there would be all these drawings on the walls uh, of our caves, and and, uh, <laughs> and the men the men would all be competing uh, to have children with this woman or that woman there, and, and we would have uh, absolutely forced communal eating, and we have that too. So. Uh, so I Is thought it had to be. they got the storyline. I think so. Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but you also seem to have cast dinners where you get together off campus, if you will, um, that you post on social media. Yeah, we're, we're we we are overdue right now for another one. We try to do yeah. it once a year. You know. Uh, and, I feel and, like that. Laura's retirement was kind of like a cast <laughs> It dinner, was kind of like that, yeah. We'll have to do one because usually we don't allow anybody else. It's just the cast. That's right. No and, producers, no writers, yeah, no, uh, no no plus ones. It's just yeah. us. And it's fun. It's yeah. really fun. And, and nobody's talking about acting or, or storyline very much. We're just enjoying one another. And, and uh, uh, it's really important for us to do that. Well, I always love seeing those photos. I think it's just special to see how special the connection is between all of you. Oh, okay. We'll do it more. Do it more. (laughs) Do it for us. Come on now. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you both so much for joining us and for sharing all of your amazing memories. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. It was lovely to talk to you. Thanks for having us. Have a great day. Have a good one. Bye. Stay warm. Stay warm. Ciao. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to John McCook and Catherine Kelly Lang for being our guests. If you like this podcast, please consider subscribing at iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.